This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. Ooh, that's right. You heard me correct. It's Out Front with AJ and Nick. We're back together. It's so sweet and wonderful. But before we get to all of that, find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. Find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. You can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. All of those wonderful ways for you to get in touch with us, to let us know what you think of ours, us and our crazy left-wing uh, snowflake liberal agendas that we both support and argue about over who's doing what correctly. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, I present to you, he, he was with us for a long time. Then uh, he took a DeLorean out of a garage, went 88 miles per hour, and got to see some serious shit. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the mythical AJ Signeri. AJ... Say hi to the people, man. Hello, everybody. There he goes. He didn't even do it with his... Oh, see, it's been so long, he doesn't even remember his... Hello, people. Or he's changing it up because we're all new and shiny. But uh, how you doing, man? It's been a while. It has been a while. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Um, lots of things going on, as everyone knows, with um, um, shit head Von Hairpiece, as we all know and love. And, um, yeah, I'm doing fine. Just... Um, Cruising around, seeing people, seeing what's going on in our lovely nation called the United States. Uh, grassroots campaigning, I believe, is the phrase you're looking for. A little bit of that, a little bit of other things. Yeah. yeah. So, folks, me and AJ have been, we've, we've been away for so long, I thought it'd be fun to just catch each other up on what has happened since we last spoke. So, AJ, are you ready for me to sound like I'm having a stroke? Yeah, I'm actually, I want to hear this, because... Um, it's just, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, you know, your catch up on a season on a, your favorite show. All right. Here we go. All right. Starting with basically the last time we had spoken was right after Michael Flynn had resigned, um, which is at the end of March, beginning of April. So we did a show at the beginning of April right after I had moved. I'd just gotten into my new place. That was at the beginning. Yeah, so it was. April 1st is when I moved in. April 5th, Trump says the Russia story is a total hoax. April 6th, Devin Nunez from California recuses himself from the Trump investigation. Uh, Mike Conway uh, achieves control. Paul Manafort uh, gets involved in this, saying he he received wire transfers. Carter Page on George Stephanopoulos' show says that he had met with Russian officials. Then we have Mike Flynn being sent into other things. But let's get to where the story really gets good. All right. On April 29th, in an interview uh, for his 100 days, uh, Donald Trump tells John Dickerson that the story is complete phony. On May 2nd, James Comey uh, testifies, I'm sorry, on May 3rd, James Comey testifies before Congress. On May 5th, the Intelligence Committee says three days ago, Carter Page told Fox News he was cooperating with the committee's investigation. He may, That may not be the case, so now they have, uh, issue subpoenas. Uh, May 6th and 7th, Trump goes golfing. On May 8th, uh, Trump has a meeting in which he tells Sessions, uh, Jeff Sessions, I'm sorry, Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions, uh, that he would like to fire the FBI director, at which point uh, the Attorney General and the Deputy Attorney General write written written recommendations for the firing of James Comey, at which point on May 9th, the 
actual firing takes place and which may become the downfall of the Trump presidency. Since then, we've had the following. This is where it gets a lot of fun. Okay, the Jeff Sessions letter is released to the public. James Comey, uh, not James Comey, I'm sorry, Sean Spicer goes out to give a press conference to explain that it was at the recommendation of the Attorney General and the Deputy Attorney General, the, the President, has fired the Director of the FBI. Donald Trump then tweets that it was his decision and his decision alone, at which point Sarah Huckabee Sanders goes out because Sean Spicer is supposed to be leaving that day to be going to do, I believe he's in the Naval Reserve, so he leaves to go do reserve training, but on his way out of the building, hides in some bushes so he doesn't have to take questions, at which point Sarah Huckabee Sanders takes the podium and says that, yes, Trump did that, but he had also already decided to fire him, but he waited for the recommendations, at which point the next morning, Donald Trump gives an interview on NBC News essentially admitting to obstruction of justice, saying that as a result of the Russia campaign, he has decided to fire James Cohen me and he did decided to do that you know months ago but just needed the written recommendation to do so a day after that donald trump hosts two russian officials in the oval office where he accidentally on purpose gives away classified information that may or may not lead to the identity of a israeli spy somewhere in the middle east being easily identified we haven't really gotten confirmation on what all happened there at which point we get ready for the day that donald trump is leaving to go on his big boy overseas field trip but before he does that right before he's about to walk out the door you get notification that uh, michael flynn is being subpoenaed by the congress as he goes out then donald trump travels overseas at which point on his overseas trial in no particular order touches a glowing orb with a bunch of people in robes goes to the wailing wall and touches it like a i don't know how to describe it except to say a man with a fetish for walls uh pushes another world leader out of his way to make sure that he gets in front of the camera shots because big boys get to ride in the front seat he met the pope you know which was great except i don't know if you know this story but here's a fun one for you aj do you know about what happened with sean spicer and the pope not with Sean Spicer in the No. Place. All right. So here's a funny thing. You get the job as press secretary for Donald Trump and say whatever you want about Sean Spicer, but it is an important job and he got it and he worked hard his whole life to get to that position. No matter what you think about the guy, on a human level, you get it, right? It's a job he's always wanted. And he has a, apparently, he's made it very publicly known that he's got like a list of things he'd like to do before he leaves that job, right? Stuff you can only do when you're the press secretary. But number one on that list, because he's a devout Catholic, was meet the Pope. Guess who the one Trump Party official member who was not allowed to meet the Pope was? Sean Spicer. Right, because Donald Trump is an insane person who doesn't let people do the things that they want to do. So Sean Spicer, who has to go out there every day and get punched in the face with questions, and is terrible at his job. I'm not saying that he's not, but, like, come on, man. So he doesn't let him do that. Okay, then he comes back, holds a press conference two days ago, and announces that we are leaving the Paris Agreement, which is like the only worldwide treaty that has ever been signed ever and is the only time we've gotten every country with the exception of Syria. And who's the other one? Because it's also... Uh, Nicaragua. And Nicaragua doesn't want to join because they don't hold it for other reasons. Yeah, they don't they don't want to join because they don't think it goes far enough. And Syria doesn't want to join because, well, you know, it's Syria. Syria. So they can't. And then on top of all of that, to, to just to just add to the shit sandwich that is the presidency of the United States of America at the moment, the president of the United States cuts out this morning and actually affected your life on a pretty regular basis 
by announcing that he intends to privatize air traffic controlling. Now, for those of you who don't understand how insane everything I just said is, that was eight minutes, AJ. We are at seven minutes, or no, eight minutes and two seconds. I think I took a minute for intros. That was seven minutes of an episode of a season recap of what is the United States of America. How's your brain? Because I want to go cry in the corner for ten minutes and come back to this later. Oh, I, I don't think about this shit anymore. <laughs> I just don't. I just, I'm like, oh, is that what you said? Okay, we move on. Yeah, like legit. Is that the only way you can survive this? Right. I feel like this presidency is is the political equivalent of the Fast and the Furious franchise, where you just look at the screen going, yeah, all right, sure, why not? Sounds about right. Yeah, a submarine with nukes on it that they're going to stop with a, with a muscle car? Yeah, okay, sure, why not? Because they all need jobs. Right. But <laughs> I just, so uh, getting away from the Trump of it all, I want to focus on two things today aj because we haven't done this in a while but these are the two things that have happened at the national political level that we can discuss that will actually affect human beings here one in the abstract one in the immediate future so let's focus on the one in the immediate future folks because you're going to hear about this a lot under a republican congress a republican senate and a republican president the phrase privatize aj would you like to take the children to school or should i I just what privatization you know what? is. I've been doing. I've been doing it for the last six weeks. How about you do it? All right, ladies and gentlemen. Privatization <laughs> is very simple to understand. It is when you would take what is normally a government business or a government operation and hand it over to private industry to run for profit. So when you hear about a for-profit prison, that's a private prison. That's privatization. When you have a contractor come in, and here's one for all you people from Illinois, and let's say your city is incredibly short-sighted, and so it decides to sell parking rights from now for the next 100 years to an outside agency and gives them the ability to raise rates on parking, they raise them all due to a bad deal to about $9 an hour down in the city. That is the result of privatization. It also is what happens when you let a company come in and run your lottery and suddenly the money that you were supposed to make on tax revenue doesn't appear. That is privatization. But now we're talking about it in the area of air traffic control. And so if you're one of those people who supports privatization of anything, including Social Security and healthcare, allow me to scare the shit out of you because that service that keeps planes in the air just got handed over to is going to get handed over to corporations so that they can make money out of it and aj i've been talking for about 10 minutes so i'd like you to just lightly explain the dangers of letting a private business run the safe industry oh it's quite simple um instead of you know how the system is with when it comes when it goes public, where you know your tax dollars and there's a little bit of transparency and accountability that goes on, and you can kind of ask those questions as to well, how come this is happening, that's not happening, why is this doing this and not doing that? <clears throat> you can simply kind of just go through, you know, the, the the process and start seeing. You can connect the dots where they're at and everything. You can FOIA. Um, certain documents, um, depending on the governing body, and you can kind of tell what's happening and everything. Not so much in other areas, but that's true for pretty much 80, if not 90% of most governing public bodies and everything. With privatization, um, you don't get to do that. It's ran by um, just a business, whether it be a CEO, COO, 
a board, whatever it looks like, that's just ran within the organization. You don't get to ask those questions. You don't even get to see what's going on. In fact, you can kind of see what happens, but you don't know what really goes on and everything. The only people that knows what's going on are those involved. And with everything that's going down with this administration and in this Congress, you know, when we privatize Social Security, air traffic control, uh, let's say education, uh, let's say health care, et cetera, et cetera, um, we don't get to know this information. You know, we're only just given all this stuff saying this is going to happen, no questions asked. There's a, that, and then there's also this. This is the other one that's, that's in danger. So air traffic control is very strictly regulated by the FAA and therefore by Congress. And the reason for that is, you know, planes need to stay in the goddamn air. And as someone who hates flying, here, here's the real danger, too. And this is just on a more practical, pragmatic level. They're going to increase people's work shifts. They're going to take away people's benefits. They're going to outsource this stuff to other companies that will hire them as independent contractors, therefore allowing them to not have to pay them benefits. So you're not going to get people who want this job or can do this job at the best. You're not going to pay them enough. Not to mention, AJ, you know they're going to increase the hours. They're going to lobby Congress to allow for looser regulations on how often an air traffic controller can work. I think it's something like they can do an eight-hour shift and then have to take 36 hours off if, if i'm right because they need to be on top of their game you've seen that shit in movies folks where they got the guys just looking at a radar going you know oceanic 815 don't turn over that island oh shit you turned over that island now you get to experience seven years in purgatory mm-hmm. that was a lost reference for those of you who don't get it <laughs> fuck that show um the idea of taking a business like this and handing it over to a private company to make a profit off of is incredibly dangerous for all the reasons AJ mentioned, for all the reasons I'm telling you now. It just allows people to take something that should be there for the purposes of keeping you safe and make money, make money off of it. And the only way they can really do that is by making it less safe. If you don't believe me. Look into the history of airlines and lobbying for looser regulations on repair and maintenance on their airplanes. Look at uh, Delta, United, and American Airlines records for violation of those things. And think about that the next time you're going to get on one of their red eyes in the morning on a DC-10, which is a plane that was built in 1975, and they still allow to go up into the air. Uh, that's privatization of air. I guess that's what bothers me the most with this is that, I mean, we have private companies that offer air service, right? Right. And we have, let's just say it, like O'Hare, it's privately ran. Correct. Also, and now this is going to happen. Let's just say it, it may happen that we're going to privatize air traffic control. So every level of air transportation is privatized. This is like the last thing that's not. Right. And that's what scares me the most because if anything, I mean, sure. I mean, I don't like how a company or a terminal can say, oh, you know, instead of gate 10, you're going to be in gate 28, which is on the other side of O'Hare. And you got to travel like 10 miles just to get to that gate before it takes off. And you have seven minutes. Right? 
and I guess where I kind of advocate more of like public transportation for air than I do private because these people make money. And what do we get? We're getting um, people um, being punched <laughs> in airplanes, um, giving you really crappy food, um, and not enough leg space. I'm just saying. So, I mean. Yeah, and all the craziness. You and I have never even gotten the chance to talk about that poor dude on United Airlines. No. And, um, and the funny thing is um, I flew two weeks or a week and a half after that incident. Can I ask you, a question? being the kind of guys that we are, isn't there always a part of you that wishes that kind of controversy would find you? Just so you could stand up. Well, I was hoping for when I was flying to Denver. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. I mean, this is red hot. This yeah. has to happen today. Yeah, this would be great. This is good PR for my brand. <laughs> Please beat me up on camera. Do you know who I am? Yeah. I think I did. I ever tell you the story once? I had a principal at a school, not a principal, a, a guy at a school try to censor me when I was on high school radio about talking about school spirit and how I thought it was dead. And I just looked at him and said, Are you censoring me? Please tell me that you're censoring me because if you do that, I will seriously go to the news networks and tell everybody that you're doing it and my career will be made before I'm 17. I'm like, Please. Please censor me like that, that. I just kept saying, please do it. That'll be great. Same sort of thing with that. But I, I think getting away from just the air traffic control and going to what you were saying, too, about how you pay these companies money and they treat you like shit anyway. Uh, one of the examples I always use, man, is Netflix. Netflix is my favorite business in the world right now because it's, it offers a product that is cheap. It offers a product that is reliable. And it doesn't feel like it's ripping you off at any given point. I feel like you get your full bang for your buck out of that. And Netflix is an example. There are many other products that are the same way. Uh, heroin, also one. No, I'm just... <laughs> but... <laughs> You went from Netflix to heroin. Hey, it, it's, a, it's a product that does exactly what's advertised, and it's relatively cheap in the short term. <laughs> minus, minus the side effects. Yeah, minus the side effects. Um, Jeez. <laughs> hey, man, it's been a while. I'm slap happy. And I, I know. I can tell. I drank coffee before we started because, you know, uh -oh. it's... By the way, folks, we're recording this. This is one of our nights shows. Um, but... When I think about the airline and the fact that everyone always complains about it, it's it's one of those things where you go, look, if, if you gave us a product that seemed like here's an idea. If you gave us room on a plane that didn't make me feel every time I got on it that there were somehow more seats on that plane that because I only fly like once every two years. So I'm weirdly I, same thing with you, I imagine. Like you can just tell the difference in space when you get on a plane from like a, two years ago to now. Where you're like. They, they've they've just jammed everybody in here like goddamn sardines, and you get the people in first class, business class, and they look up at you with that arrogant ass shit. And then the plane tells you that their well, folks were overbooked, and then halfway through the flight, you get up to go to the bathroom, and all the seats in first class are still empty. Right? You're like you're not overbooked. You're just cheap, which is a very different thing. So that's why I fly Southwest. Yeah. Well, because at least if you're going to get treated like crap, at least they'll let it be cheap. Right. Uh, I mean, look, I'm with you on that one. Uh, let's let's talk Paris Agreement because I imagine that one set you off a little bit. And then I want to end the show uh, talking about some of your more recent uh, social media posts and, uh -oh. uh, and and discussions therein. But uh, Paris Agreement, we we you and I talked about that signing on the old radio station uh, when it happened because it was such a big deal, and you and I both celebrated. We worked at a what I imagine the the right would call a liberal cuck uh, 
Snowflake Factory. Does that sound what they would call what we did? Probably. Uh, yeah. Um, but it was a big I deal. Called, I called it paradise. It was a big deal just, you know, I, I've heard this expression, and you and I fight about it all the time, but one of the things that I've always believed is that if you have agreements in place with other countries, that tends to stop your desire to fight with them over other issues. But this was the first time in world history that that a, that the entire world came together and agreed on something. Like, that's no small deal. You know, even the, the countries where you're like, those are crazy people, came together and, and did some cool things and, you know, really set a timeline in place to, to finally start taking global warming and climate change, whatever you want to call it, seriously. And Jackass Von Hairpiece, the president of the United States, uh, pulled out of that agreement and says now that we're going to completely disregard it. And this gets into that number, and John Oliver talked about it last night, and a lot of other people are talking about two degrees. You, you've, you've heard this. For those of you who don't know, it's two degrees Celsius, not two degrees Fahrenheit. If the world raises its temperature by two degrees, you can start to see catastrophic effects all around the world. They said that the summer of three years ago where people were dying in New York's heat wave, that would be an average summer for places like New York, Chicago, uh, anywhere that had a normally temperate climate. You would experience massive raising in temperature, that the seawater could rise as much as seven feet, coastal territories, so we'd all, you know, die. Yay! I'm just curious, AJ, when that story broke, I know you said you're ignoring it, and we're definitely both in the, uh, yeah, sure, why not? But during your, yeah, sure, why not, do you do you just get the vision in your head of, of I don't know, 2012, the movie? Oh, I don't know about 2012, the movie. Um, more like uh, any dystopian movie I always loved. Um Swing Blade. Um, yeah. No, um, you know, with the Paris Agreement, uh, you know, it, it was something that was that needed to be done no matter what. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of it um, for various reasons. Um, I, I don't agree that we should be pulling out of it because what a lot of people don't understand is not that, you know, we are obligated to do these things. Like, every country set its own goals, you know. And one of the major negotiation piece to that um, Paris Accord was trying to get us and China and India to lower CO2 emissions since, you know, since all three of us have, you know, large factories, whether Trump wants to believe it or not, um, you know, we raise CO2 emissions by a lot and everything. Um, so that's all that really is. And there was a lot of negotiations that had to be done in order for everyone to agree to these documents, except for um, Syria and um, Nicaragua as well. <clears throat> um, and now we're the third. Um, so, yeah, uh, like I said, I wasn't too thrilled about it, but... It was a it was a step in the right direction, um, but this is the person that sixty percent of Americans wanted because they thought it was a great idea. The the thing that gets me about it is is just you know you keep going back to the fact that there's three countries in the world that aren't a part of it anymore, 
and you go, all right, Nicaragua. Well, they just didn't fit, think much like you. Like it didn't go far enough, right? And then you right. got Syria. We're like, well, yeah, I can understand why Syria couldn't agree to anything. Sure, fine, whatever. And it's like, okay, I like to think of it like at a bar. You got all the countries standing around like a Family Guy cutaway, and they go like, well, Syria, why aren't you doing it? Because we're too busy dealing with civil war. Nicaragua, you did not go far enough. USA, why'd you do it? Eh, didn't feel like it. <laughs> That's what it feels like, right? You know. <laughs> It's like, eh, you know, because we have this guy. It's just, it, 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 when it comes to climate change in particular, of, of any issue, it just seems to be the one where we should all be able to very quickly go, yeah, I'm on board with that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good supporting the idea that we need to stop some of that shit from happening. And you just, the, the, the constant, just constant bullshit from the other side on this issue is what gets me. Before we get into some of your other stuff, I just want to get into, AJ, as a result of, of Paris and then what's happening otherwise. You and I haven't talked in, in, in a while, and I'm just, where would you say your apathy level is with all of this? Where you're just like, look, I, I especially you, because you've been doing this longer than I, you've been fighting all these fights. Are you more energized to fight? Are you doing it because at this point you don't know any other life right like i'm, I'm curious where you're at with all of that like are, are 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 you heartened by the response that you're getting when you're out traveling around or is it does it make you sad that it that it took this or do you just really do it because you don't know what else to do uh, it's not more it's not it's this is all i, I know um i guess and, and someone asked me the same thing about three weeks ago because um, I was kind of a little lost in the midst of, um, you know, what's going on. And I'm trying to make sense of all this. Because, I mean, I, you know, I've, I, I've done nothing but have conversations with people um, in this time that we're in right now. And I just, you know, bang my head against the wall, probably like yourself, trying to understand, you know, why are people just complacent about this bullshit? Um, so, to, so in short, um, I mean, I'm energized and I guess, you know, my focus is just working with those who want to get stuff done. Um, I, I've kind of abandoned the idea that, you know, there are people who are not going to agree with me who are left of center. Um, but I still like them. I'm friends with them. We have coffee, we have dinner. Um, but I'm just not going to be on their bus, you know, um, because myself and others have shown examples that you can get shit done and you just need to come on this boat because we've proven success. Um, so that's where I come at right now. And, you know, and I've been doing that for now these last six weeks, but, you know, even when we were talking prior you know, doing various organizing workshops. Um, I was in Denver speaking um, to some organizers there for two days. I love that when you do it, you go Canadian with it. Organizers. Organizers. Um, uh, it's probably because I was talking to Canadians yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we were talking about the Nordiques, the great Nordiques. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's where I'm at. And um, like I said, I mean, there's... I know a lot of people are on the indivisibility wagon, and they want to 
get people elected. I get it. I applaud that to a point. Um, but I'm sorry, you know, um, we need to move ahead because, uh, and I'm, just, I'm sure this is probably one of the things that you probably saw on my Facebook and, um, uh, you know, where I said, you know, on popular opinion, um, you know, liberals are pretty much horrible at free will. <laughs> no, you're not wrong about that. You're not wrong so, about um, that. And, 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 and that was, you know, and I was just, we, my friend and I were talking about free will at one point, and, and then that's the thing. It's like, you know, we have examples of what fascism looks like, what oppression looks like, what everything has gone wrong in the past. We have examples of this. And for those who believe in the idea of, you know, history is cyclical, we're seeing that today. And if you don't know what happened in the past and you're still choosing to go down a path on your own free will, then I'm sorry, you're wrong. Yeah, I've been calling... <laughs> you know, I, I know I don't tell people they're wrong, but you're wrong. No, I've been doing that lately. I, I actually had a moment, and, and it was the first time in a while I went to my, lo- my what used to be my local bar. I, I, I haven't been there in a while. You know, I, I used to go there every night in my 20s, but now I'm in my 30s, and I, you know, I go there. It was the first time I'd been there in like six months, okay? I walk into the bar. I don't want to be there. Right. We had gone out to dinner beforehand with a bunch of people. It's me, my lady, and my and my, two of my best friends. They're a couple, too. And... The two girls go into the bar. I go into the bar. Other guy stays outside. I get a little... Uh, do you do mini pictures where you're from, AJ? Like the half pictures of beer at a bar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I get myself a mini picture. So I get one of those. I go sit back outside. It's like a 60-degree night. Light up a smoke, and I'm sitting there. And I, again, it was the one bar I didn't want to go to. Especially my cousin owns another bar nearby. I'm like, why didn't we go there where it's actually nice? Whatever. Sitting out there, and some dude is in the, two tables down, and he's standing up. He's got a beer in his hand, and he's going off. He's in a board board shorts that look like they're from the nineties. One of those beat up white t shirts that you know he's had for like you know the difference between a guy's wearing a white a beat a beat up t shirt that's on purpose, and then there's the dude who's wearing a white t shirt that's been in his closet for fifteen years. Yeah, yeah, fifteen year old white t shirt, long hair. Um, white guy from Glenview going off about how great Trump is. And I sit there, and I sit there for 15 minutes, and I don't say anything to anybody. Again, bad mood to begin with. And then he goes off about tax reform and starts talking about how Donald Trump's tax plan isn't necessary. And I just look at him, and I go, you're an idiot, and you don't know what you're talking about. And all my friends go, oh, God damn it. And I look at them, I'm like, no, you brought my ass here. I got to sit here and listen to this idiot talk about something he knows nothing about. Then I pulled a dick move that burned me. I asked him how many. He goes, well, I do know what I'm talking I'm like, really? How many people are there in Congress? Which normally shuts people up because they don't know. I give the guy credit. He actually knew it. But I'm just like, you, you're here at this bar, which tells me something about your income level. You're about where I'm at. So voting Republican is the dumbest goddamn thing that you can do. Not to mention that voting for Donald Trump is like voting for a car accident and then hoping that you're in the car when it happens. <laughs> so what, right. was, what are we talking about here? And this guy just proceeds to do it. And the conversation ended with me, my hands in my on my forehead, because I was giving him, you know, I was giving him the reason argument, which I know I've got to stop trying to think will work. 
But I'm being reasonable for a little bit, and I'm trying to explain it, and he's just cutting me off with, well, that's made up. Well, that's fake. And I finally go, dude, okay. So the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, all of these, they're all fake news, right? Like, that's just made up. I go, that doesn't make sense. Are you saying that? And I think at the time it was the... It's a few weeks ago. So I think at this point we're talking Jared Kushner starting to get investigated. I'm like, are you saying that he's not being investigated? He's like, well, no, no, no. I say, well, then it's news, whatever. And it ends with me just rubbing my eyes and going into this dude's face, just going, you're an idiot, 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 out loud for a good minute. Then my friends made me leave because the other Trump people were starting to get angry. Um, and, you know, they're armed. So it's, it's just it, it gets to the point with everybody where you're going – like how you're saying you don't want to tell people that they're wrong. I don't want to tell people that you're stupid. I don't like being mean. But if I present you with, with actual printable evidence on paper that says what you say is wrong, and you look at me and go, well, I don't believe that. And I go, well, this isn't, this isn't partisan. This is just fact. Look, here's, the, here's how they got to this information. No, 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 that's made up. It doesn't support my worldview. It's bullshit. I go, well, then you're an idiot. I go, because if somebody comes to me with something that can prove what I think is wrong, I'll adjust my thinking. But the fact that you won't even look at the stuff is what's getting me. And the thing with you, by the way, because you, you've been talking about this a lot on social media, and, and I'm not saying that you're wrong, but you and I disagree. Our fundamental disagreement as friends comes down to this idea. You believe that fighting within the Democratic Party is not worth it and you don't want to do it, where I think that that's the, the way to go. That's really where you and I differ. But I got to tell you, man, being inside of it, kind of like you were 10 years ago, I see your point. Because it's, it's, it's hard to get these people, especially the older ones, to listen to reason. You sit in a room with them and go, Elizabeth Warren is not the answer to your prayers. Stop acting like she is. And, Do I know? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that's it. I'm just saying, like, that's the stuff that you, I find myself constantly questioning. It's just like, you guys say that this is one way and that you're so set in it that you won't listen to anything outside of it. Like, why would people vote for Trump? They're so stupid. And you go, then you don't understand the fundamental problem of why you lost in the first place. If you cannot conceive of why this happened, then you will never be able to solve the problem of stopping it from happening again. That's, that's where I'm at. And I'm trying to at least give them that lesson because I feel that the danger is they lose the next ones too. And then it doesn't matter what you fight for, AJ, because the world's going to be done in 20 years because there'll be no right. food. Right, and you know, there's a, a local what what they call themselves Action for a Better Tomorrow, which came out of the Indivisible movement, <clears throat> and and they meet at one of the county Democratic Party offices, and I went, I was invited to one, like seven people who I know, all of them simultaneously, like sent me an invite, like he, like we want you there, like so I went, and you know, it was everything I thought it was going to be. Um, you go in there, and they came. It was a meeting, like a, I think a, a, a couple of days after the women's march. I want to say, like, yeah, because the women's march was a weekend, so that Wednesday, um, of the following weekend, <clears throat> happened, and so you know they talked about the women's march, which is great. Though instead of like other organizing meetings that i've attended where we try to get to know each other and then try to collaborate on you know projects or what we see the needs are they started handing pieces of paper 
and I'm looking at these pieces of paper, and it's like phone numbers, addresses to legislators, and they say, you know, we need people to call like Adam Kissinger and Tom Demmer on the state level, Adam Kissinger for the U.S. Congress, et cetera, et cetera. I go, why are we doing this? It's like because we we want them that to know <laughs> we're they need to be heard from us and blah blah blah. And we need to figure these out. And we need to go to his office. And we need to figure out when these things are. And that was done. And I was done after that. And and I told people, I was like, you know, this is, you know, if this is what you guys want to do, that's fine. But, you know, there is no action <laughs> at all that what you're doing. And you're not serving for a better tomorrow at all. What you're doing is still fulfilling part of the system that you have chosen to um, still fulfill a social contract that you feel that you're going to give your power up to authority. And I'm not about that. Um, I'm just really about, you know, addressing issues and how we can organize to uh, accomplish, you know, overcome those issues, et cetera, et cetera. Because here's a prime example. I was going to say, give us a, give us something specific. So, like, well, I mean, one, well, like one of the things was... And this is a, an action was more of a statement than anything else. Uh, the state senator right next to me, <clears throat> um, named Tim Bivens, and you know the Illinois how the Illinois Assembly General Assembly um, voted to raise state minimum wage to fifteen. Right. And the other one was um, on your birth certificate that someone could change their um, sex identity. Uh, without surgery, which was huge for a lot of people in the LGBTQ community. So Tim Bivens took it upon himself to say, and these are disruptive and disturbing bills, and called the uh, sex change on your birth certificate bill um, cultural suicide and everything. I was the only one who spoke up in my area about this. And I reached out to those for action bear tomorrow about, did you see this? He goes, yeah, that's a shame. So you're, you're, <laughs> so they didn't do anything. I mean, and they're right there. And His they, office is literally down the street from where they meet. Well, not only that, but you also like, so you're saying that it's casual involvement doing just enough to feel like they're, because I do like, that is something that I've come up against a lot is, you know, you and I used to call or you used to actually tell me about it a lot where you would call, you know, Facebook activism. Right, right. Click on a link and you're good and you feel right. like you've helped. And that fulfills that need that you've got to be involved. Right. And in this instance, you're basically trying to say that same deal where it's like, yeah, you guys have your issues. You had your woman's march. You had this conversation. But now I'm reaching out to you with something that you can actually affect pretty effectively and your response is, eh, that's too bad. That's how I felt. That's how I feel sometimes at these meetings I've got where I tell them, you know, look, because the most frustrating thing that I've had dealing with these people is, is this. I will tell them, and, and I've said it before, I've got a friend. His name's Mike. He does a lot of work with every group in the city that you can think of that isn't politically affiliated. I go, they, they, they're left-leaning, and they definitely be on your side. And you're not going to get all of them, but you could probably pick up 25% of them if you just showed them that you were willing to hear them. Some of right. these people, all they want is to be heard. 
Yeah. And and your inability to go to where they're at is what's really going to hurt you in getting their support later on. Because part of the reason that I fight so hard to try to make, even at this local level that I'm currently working at, to understand that, look, young people don't give a shit like about what you're talking about. I'm sorry. They don't care. You can talk estate tax and, and reform. Those aren't the issues that are important to people. What's, what's important to people is the stuff that plays on the news and plays on social media. Sorry. And if you don't speak to that, you're not going to get their attention. And the, the casualness of what's happening, it does bother me. Now, you and I, again, differ on the method. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I got to tell people is, yeah, calling calling is good. It's it it, right. it helps, but it's not enough. You need exactly. you need to find out. Like, here's the number one. Honestly, AJ, because here's the thing. I bet if you go to that indivisible meeting and asked, I don't know, half of those people who their state rep is or who they're, they're not going to know. Well, that's the thing. They do. They like they know who the state reps are. They know who the congressmen are. Okay, good. It's just it's just a matter of what they want to do and for them it's just going to a town hall and shouting right you know, you know screaming into the abyss right and it's like okay and 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 i know some of these guys who are elected officials right and one of them was adam kinzer like they go well how how did he have this meeting we didn't know about him? i'm like that's the game they don't tell they don't put a press release out the day before yeah an event because they don't want you guys there. They're going to do it right under the radar and they're going to put it out in the papers the next day. Well, that's, the, that's how it works. That's what Paul Ryan's doing. Paul, you Ryan, know? Paul Ryan has a, a town hall scheduled in the area of Janesville on a date at an undetermined time. Right. And you're like, but you'll love this, but you'll love this though. So one of my friends who is, you know, up there in the County, party um in my county where i'm at um and, and, and he's been coming to some of my organizing workshops and everything and wants me to like work with like their union guys and the steel workers union hall and everything but he was telling me that they want to move the county office from the carpenters hall to the steel union hall because the steel union hall can hold about maybe 150 people inside and when that was proposed some of these older democrats said well this is too far that's too out of the way and like well it's not that far it's just from here to here and then one just spoke up saying well it's on the bad part of town (laughs) and it's like oh the mexican side of town they're going well we're not saying that it's just there's a lot of things that go on over there (laughs) it's like but you're democrats like this is supposed to be what you do (laughs) yeah well, and and, 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 I, and I find myself, you know, looking at this whole situation and, and everything that's going on going, you know, what's what the, 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 the word in, it's an old, it's a myth, it's not true, but the word in Chinese or Japanese for chaos is also the same word for, for opportunity or crisis or whatever is also the word for opportunity. Okay. Like, like, to me, as horrible as it is right now, this is... We do the pro wrestling thing. It's Monday night. It's the, you know, I've got Ron in the background here. It's pro wrestling. This is heel establishment time, right? Like what this is? this is Trump establishing I'm the bad guy here. Like not on purpose. He doesn't think that he's the bad guy, which makes him an even better heel. Jericho never thinks he's the bad guy when he's the heel. But 
you have this moment where you're going, all right, there's there's this opportunity right here, right now. You've got a, a, a guy in charge who is sounds authentic, but there's nothing real to what he says. Real authenticity would kick his ass right now. And the fact that even to this moment, I watch the news and I see Democrats come on the screen and fight against this shit with the same tired cliches, the same bullshit that you've heard for your entire life, and you go... No, this this feels different, and you're giving me the same old shit. And and I really do feel there's an opportunity here for somebody to come up. And and this is part of the thing with with one of the reasons I get with with you and Mike and other people and going, no, help me fight with them because there's just opportunity right now to grab this thing by the reins and really kind of not drastically change its direction, but at least get an actual honest to god progressive in charge of the Democratic Party. Like somebody who isn't running to middle of center, to somebody who will stand up and go, no, we need fucking universal health care because 70% of the bankruptcies in the United States are caused by medical illness. That doesn't happen in other countries. Like that, that's, that's the shit that I go, okay, you want to talk to me about Donald Trump and his stupid ass tweets? And I, I got into it with a couple of, you would have loved this because it was an argument you and I have had for a long time with, with other people where they'll go off and they'll go, well, Trump said something stupid. I go, yeah, I don't care. I don't care that he said something stupid. There's actually important shit as a result of his presidency that people, you know, and I'm not saying that, like it's not being reported. It's being reported, but the majority of people are just ignoring it because it's easier to follow and be outraged by somebody saying kofefe than it is to sit there and realize that on the same day the FCC started to act, it started the second part of the process to get rid of net neutrality rules. And if you don't understand the danger of getting rid of net neutrality rules, simply to your entertainment. Fuck everything else. Think about your own life and the things that you actually care about. The government, AJ, I don't know if people, do you know enough about net neutrality for, or do you want me to explain the real, just the entertainment danger? Like, I mean, I know the overall concept of net neutrality, okay. and I can all right. Let me talk about that. But as far as the tech side, all right, I mean, let me give you a real world example of what's going on because this is the easiest thing to understand. Comcast, Univer- Comcast, NBC Universal, okay, owns the internet wires across the country, right? They are the internet solely, or no, just no, no, one the, of them. As an example, as an example, okay. this is what happens here in Chicago. All right, so if you have somebody other than Comcast Cable in your area, they're still using Comcast-owned cable infrastructure. They're just leasing it from Comcast. Okay, that's number one. Okay. That's understand. So any internet service that you have in the Chicagoland area is in some way provided by Comcast. But let's say that you've got Comcast internet in your house. Okay. You are a House of Cards fan. I am a House of Cards fan. House of Cards dropped last Tuesday. But also last Tuesday, this didn't happen, but let's say that it did, Comcast dropped the season finale of Designated Survivor, another show about the White House. Currently, under net neutrality laws as they exist, both of those shows' data needs to be treated equally by your internet service provider and your router. They don't get to get picked over which one has control. But under the what they want to set up, they want to do this fast lane thing where a company like Netflix or a company like Google will be charged extra for faster connection speeds. If they don't pay those speeds, Comcast can lower them to this lower internet speed, therefore sucking away their reliability. Now, you don't pay it. The company does. But here's the thing. 
during the time period when all the other networks were trying to figure out how to make shit work online and couldn't, you remember that period. Everyone listening, you'd go on a website to watch a show that they said that you could watch online and it would buffer and it wouldn't play. The ad would play, but the video wouldn't. Netflix comes along seven, eight years ago with its streaming service and blows that shit out of the water with their proprietary stuff and now it works. And every other company had to race to catch up. That's because Netflix had equal access to internet speed as Comcast. But here's the danger. Comcast owns the infrastructure, they own the service, they also own NBC. So if an NBC show comes out on a day when a Netflix series show comes out and they haven't paid the fee, which company do you think is going to get better speed for their video? Right, yeah. And and so now you've lost freedom of choice because most people won't deal with fixing the problem. They'll just go to what works. This actually goes back to the air traffic control thing that started the show. It's this whole concept of if something is cheap, effective, and works, people will use it. And if you start fucking with that stuff, people stop. And this is the danger because companies like AOL Time Warner, which also owns entertainment companies, and and Comcast could force every other company on the market because there's nothing that says that they have to take the business or can amend their their because their service contracts are subject to change just like anybody else's. So they could down speed, you know, down play the speed that these other companies have. This is something that went into effect on the same day. So question yeah i i get what you're i really do understand what you're saying though part of me thinks that okay you have google which is a mega company with lots and lots and lots of fiber at the cables and they can do a lot of shit with it and a company like google can overpower a company like Comcast yeah, and but they can but here's, monopolize. Here's, yes, this. you're not wrong. But here's the issue. Innovation is the issue. That's the issue. How so? Netflix, How so? Netflix, when it started, didn't have the same kind of money. When it started streaming service, didn't have the same right. operating income as, as Google or Comcast. But it took over the market because it's an effective product and it works. But that's also because it was treated equally on the internet to everything else. That's but, the danger. Innovation, stifling innovation is the danger. Right, but I also see the danger I, Danger in so far that it's, you know, a lot of other legalities where you see Netflix saying, oh, I see this. We might as well merge with Google because that makes sense. And now you have Google Netflix. Yeah, but, yeah, but now you're you know talking. Yeah, but now you're talking. Yeah, but that's a separate conversation. That's a conversation. Is it though? Yes, because it, it is. sounds yes, like it it's is. like, hey, you no, have it, something we need, so we no, might as but well it is, go with you. But here's here's why it's a different conversation. What you're talking about is the age old argument that lefties like you and me have been having forever, which is corporations are way too fucking powerful and have way too much fucking right. money and need to be regulated. And the monopoly laws that we think exist apparently don't. Because the fact that AOL Time Warner was able to merge at all is proof that nobody cares. Like, and then there was the rumor that Comcast and AOL Time Warner wanted to merge, at which point it's like there's one company controlling everything. So, right. no, that's, you're, you're not wrong about that. I'm strictly speaking on a tech level about innovation okay. on the internet. The okay. idea that Netflix can't come out of nowhere and shake everything up. You see what I'm saying? 
gotcha, and make gotcha. it better. And Netflix is an example because it's something that everybody has, but this applies to everything. Facebook, Twitter. You know, you can argue whether or not Twitter's worthwhile but it, or Facebook is worthwhile, but the people of Egypt will tell you that Facebook, when used properly, can be pretty goddamn effective. Though they right. probably and, wouldn't you know, say goddamn. I mean, and I guess, you know, from an innovation point, uh, who's to say, like, Facebook can't come up with Facebook TV? Right. Well, and they're working on it. But who's to also say that next week something launches that has the same internet speed as anything else and makes Facebook look like an obsolete piece of tablet? You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't know what's going to be the next big thing. But the speed limit thing hurts because stuff just won't work as well as other things. So people won't allow it to take over like they did. Like, a thing right. like MySpace can't be... My, here's an example. MySpace would still be around if this was still here. Because MySpace would have been able to pay for the fast lane connection. Facebook never takes off. And Facebook is infinitely better a social tool than MySpace in some ways. In some ways, MySpace was better. But... It's it's just you see what I'm saying like it's stifling right. that, and that happened that again that happened on the same day as Kofefe, like right. that's the danger of the Trump presidency more than anything else is you you, you know we've talked about it before con man's greatest or magician's greatest thing is a drunk audience look over here 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 oh shit over here is where the trick is being done. And there are a lot of people taking advantage of that. Steve Bannon, Mike Pence, all these people who are just, they just reassure the egomaniac that everything's fine. And then, you know, hell reigns on earth. We're coming up on the end of this thing. Is there anything else you wanted to hit to in the uh, six weeks that we've been gone? Even uh, entertainment purposes? I tell you, I've seen all aliens and I saw, I saw alien and I saw guardians of the galaxy too. Both were good. Oh, I didn't see alien yet. Um, I did see Garden of the Galaxies. I'm hoping to see Wonder Woman soon. Well, we um, haven't even talked about that. Let's end the show with that. Let's 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 do that. Of Wonder Woman or Garden of the Galaxies? No, the importance of Wonder Woman and this this story oh. that's being spread that I think is bullshit. Um, no, it is. No, it is bullshit. That um. that somehow Wonder Woman's box office is a referendum on feminism. Like, well, right. I mean, there's that. And there's a, a few other things outside of Wonder Woman that people are talking about, too, which is kind of whatever. Um, my, 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 yeah. Go ahead. go ahead. No, you go first. I guess, you know, I, I was never a huge Wonder Woman fan, but, you know, of all the other uh, Marvel and DC characters out there, Wonder Woman always stuck out to me the most than, and of course, these are villains, so I understand like Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, Catwoman, um, Rogue, Storm. Um, but again, when I say those other female characters in the Marvel world and some of the, in the DC, I mean, most of them are kind of either side characters or they're affiliated with another major character, right? Right. Whereas Wonder Woman is a standalone um, hero, by themselves, along with Batman, Superman, Flash, Aquaman, Cyborg, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I always found her fascinating because she had like very like minimal tools to you know conduct her own justice. You know, um, she had strength, she somewhat had speed, but she had a lasso and the lasso of truth. Right, and an invisible plane, and 
a shield. And that was pretty much it for this Amazonian woman, you know? Um, and, and by the way, I haven't seen the movie, but just I, I like how they're starting out with the origin story that I like about how Wonder Woman got started. Yeah, um, I, well, and they and they got away from the she was made from clay by Zeus, right? Uh, thing, <laughs> but but what really what I want to talk to when it comes to Wonder Woman and the thing that so I saw this I saw this article on the Atlantic and it really pissed me off. And it was first of all it was a dude writing, but he he uh, uh, it was a gay guy who clearly is in the school of he is always looking for something to be offended by because his argument was. Gal Gadot should not have been beautiful because she's so beautiful. It takes away from her feminine power, which was the dumbest goddamn thing I had ever read. Which because it's just like, when are you going to be today? No, nah, it was a couple days ago. I was to say, okay. but it's just one of those things where you go, "What the hell are you talking about? When are you ever going to like? If that's your complaint, then when are you ever going to be happy with, with with a situation like this? Because realistically. Wonder Woman should be beautiful. She's supposed to be the the epitome of 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 femininity. That's what she's supposed to be. Right. And and to sit there and play that game where it's like, and then you get into the, all the other crap where it's just like, well, people need to social justice warriors or whatever. Go see Wonder Woman, and you're like, look, it's a superhero movie. There are thirty thousand of them, and my desire to not see this has nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman. It has to do with the fact that the last three DC movies have all sucked ass. Right. And I don't feel an overwhelming need to give that company any more of my money. And the fact that you're selling it to me as part of my liberal agenda pisses me the hell off. Like, if I don't go see Wonder Woman, I'm a bad person. Like, that that bugs me. Because that's not how a movie like that should be marketed. If it's good enough to stand on its own two feet, it should be fine. Not to mention this one, AJ, as the nerd. It's the first female-led superhero movie. Fuck you. There are at least four franchises I can think of that were led by women that did amazing numbers at the box office. This is a mm-hmm. stupid fucking conversation. Number one would be The Hunger Games off the top of my head. Number yeah. two would be the Terminator franchise, Terminator mm-hmm. 1 and 2. The lead character is Linda goddamn Hamilton. And, of course, the toughest chick of all tough chicks, Ripley. Oh, yeah. What do we talk? Not to mention the two really bad ones, Halle Berry's Catwoman and Jennifer Garner's Electra. Well, I mean, if you want to go sci-fi fantasy, then yeah, I agree. I mean, but there's like you know, you can always do Joey Foster and Silence of the Lambs. You know, you could say the movie Domino. You know, you know there are, there are choices. Tank Girl. There there are always movies where females have, have, have led, but there are ones that were. The Hunger Games is the best example. Like, didn't we have this conversation five years ago, and didn't we end it when when Jennifer Lawrence became the highest paid person in Hollywood for a little bit because yeah. of the three, you know, the four movies that she made that are all outstanding, with the exception mm-hmm. of the first one. Like, what are we talking about here? And and it's all because of this movie that's coming out. And I'm like, look, the fact that you're jamming this kind of controversy with my summer movie schedule is really pissing me off because this is a very busy summer for movies. I still haven't seen Pirates. Like, that bothers me. So, I don't know. So, let me ask you this before yeah. we head out. Yes. <laughs> uh, did you find Baby Groot just to be the Jar Jar Binks of that film. A bit too much? Not just annoying. It's just like, I get what you're doing. I'm sure you had a focus group, and people want to see a baby Groot after volume one. I get it. 
But for fuck's sake. Yeah. Groot, if you look at, and especially the, in, in the first one where, you know. Well, um, in the first one, he has, when and his he has arms a broke off and yeah. they, they just come back. I mean, you would think that since he got blown up, he should be grown by now. Well, there's that. There's also the fact that you go, all right, look, I get it. It's cute. But, like, the scene with Yondu's helmet goes on. Like, you could tell they were doing the Simpsons rake thing. You know, the rule of the rule of three, the rule of 17. But it's just like it, it, it you didn't you either didn't do it long enough or you didn't do it quick enough. But it just it, it went on forever. And then like I, I he's cute. I get it. But I feel like you sacrificed a lot of movie time with just a cute little stick figure. Whatever. Um, I personally felt that the, the whole middle part was just so la- like it felt like there's a lot of action at the very start. A lot of action at the end, and the middle was very character-driven. Now, it was the dude whose favorite X-Men comic is the one where they all play basketball. Like, yeah. I'm fine with it. But I could see, but putting myself in the head of other people, yeah, it's not it's not as entertaining as the first one, but it also it doesn't have the benefit of uh, of surprising you with how good it is, you know? Right. The first one was just a shock. But Baby Groot was, I mean, yeah, it, it got to be too much for me. But I get it, because you're making, I mean, again... You and I have had this conversation before. What is Marvel's business? It's not making movies; it's selling toys, and oh, yeah. that and that action figure, that Baby Groot is going to sell like crazy come Christmas. Oh yeah, of course. So, all right, man. Well, I think we're going to get back, ladies and gentlemen, to a schedule of doing this once a week again, probably on Monday nights, which means we'll drop this then when we're done recording. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, AJ? Anything important going on in the world you want to get to before we sign off completely and I do the proper?s uh, other than, you know, if you're in the area, um, this Saturday from one eleven in Clinton, Iowa, I'll be doing the fourth installment of our, of the organizer workshop I've, I've been doing, um, uh, which this one's on faith-based organizing. No, I'm not going to convert people into religion, but to show what they do and then what other organizers could learn from in both the Christian right, yes, I said that, and what um liberal organizations do as well um so there's that on saturday and uh yeah that's pretty much what i'm gonna do this saturday all right folks keep your uh feeds attuned to chicago podcast network new episodes dropping all the time uh back on a regular schedule without front we i'm working on a few other things a couple sponsorship ideas that might change how things are done around here but in a good way thank you so much uh aj for Finally getting back on with me because I appreciate it. I felt lost without your voice. I was merely a man speaking unto himself. And now, <laughs> and now I have a purpose. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for us. This has been Chicago Podcast Network's Out Front with AJ and Nick. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. And you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to hear from all of you. Thanks again to AJ. Uh, Resist today, resist tomorrow, resist always, and uh, go Rebel Alliance and other assorted lefty stand-and-be-counted phrases. We out! Go Cubs. Son of a bitch. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.